A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Pool Hitter Podcast. This is Rob D, the Dead Pool Hitter. You can always catch me on Twitter at Dead Pool Hitter. The Pool Hitter Podcast is at Pool Hitter Pod. And don't forget to check me out on Patreon.com. Put in the search box, Pool Hitter. Fantasy Baseball. And take you right to the site. Get a free one-week trial. See what's going on in the offseason. And it's going to be a ton of content in the offseason. Play breakdowns every day. Starting very shortly. And analysis for my own draft champion that I'm completing, including draft boards in the Discord, chatting about strategy in the Discord. Discord alone is worth getting into the Pull Hood of Patreon. Fantastic. Today's episode, the special announcement episode that I um, did with my friends, Toby, Bathrobe Crazy, Steve Weimer, and Phil the Robot Duceau, making a special announcement about the NFBC Champions League. This is um, something that was born from Toby's idea and down in Vegas last year. Brainstormed it, told us about it. I loved it, told him to go forth. And the awesome gentlemen at the NFBC, Greg, Derek, Tom, listened to us and pitched them uh, the idea for this league. And they was like, yeah, let's do it. So it's going to be an extremely player-driven league, which means that we have to gather interest for this and push it to make it as popular as we can and for as high as a purse as we can. So all of it will be explained in the episode. We do some analysis from fantasy baseball stuff after it, but the majority of the meat of this episode um, for the first 40 minutes will be us talking about this league and the so many uh, opportunities that it can grow from afterwards. So um, I won't even tease you how it's... Uh, run because Toby um, does a masterful job of it during the podcast so uh, listen up and you know um, contact me Toby Phil Steve whoever you know whoever you have a contact with on Twitter or whatever and um, let us know your thoughts about it let us know if you could you know have any suggestions for it um, recommendations but um, hope everyone gets on board with this this will be an amazing thing going forward, and I can't wait to actually cover it in podcast and um, bring it to light when it's uh, getting its steam. So, 
looked it up and hope everyone has a wonderful weekend enjoy the rest of the world series and have a happy halloween welcome to the pole hitter podcast i'm rob d the deadpool hitter i'm here with triple crown fantasy the real one phil toby steve what's up men what's going on hey rob what's going rob oh it's going wonderful we're here to announce something really special um toby i'm gonna let you take it away right here but um just awesome i just wanted to say first you know just awesome for putting in this together super excited for it to take off and i think we're gonna attract a lot of people in with this brilliant idea you had i remember when you when you spit it out during a uh vegas dinner last year and uh despite some resistance you had um i was like this is gonna be dynamite so pretty happy that's going through so go ahead man kick it off yeah well thank you thank you rob and and all of you guys for um kind of helping me as i thought through the idea um so last year in vegas you know for anybody who hasn't um who has been to vegas for nfbc drafts or anybody who hasn't like it's just a it's a fantastic time just being there with everybody you're participating or watching auctions, you're drafting. And not only that, but it's like, instead of just like closing down your computer afterwards, you have a chance to talk to everybody, get to know all the different characters in the NFBC um, and all the people who are there. And so I was inspired last year um, because I was just thinking about all the leagues that we're in and um, all of the leagues are highly competitive. There's so many people who care a lot about fantasy baseball right and like are always working to get better and and be the best that they can be but there isn't necessarily like one league that you can point to in the nfbc or really in fantasy baseball in general where you have kind of the best players based on performance right like we have all the best players of course in the nfbc but we don't have them all playing together in a single league and so one of the things that I was thinking about, I'm a soccer fan too. And so there's this thing called the Champions League in European soccer, where you have all of these different leagues across Europe. And then the best, you know, two to four teams from each league, the following year gets taken or not taken out, but like they play their regular leagues, but they also play the Champions League. And it's the most prestigious tournament that there is in, in soccer. And so I was kind of thinking about that and like the fact that within NFBC, we have all these different leagues we play and all these different types of leagues, right? We have our 15 teamers, we got our 12 teamers, we got our auctions, you know, we got our, um, our regular uh, snake drafts, you know, we've got all of these different things, but there isn't that one league that people really look to as the place where the best players play. Um, and so the idea that I had was what if, you know, people, what if we looked at the standings from a previous year and looked at who performed most consistently and the best in some key leagues within the NFBC, and then the top 15 of those players played in the following year in a league against each other, right? So like you're thinking about like the main event champion, the OC champion, the DC champion, all of those people, the you know, every year, like, I mean, every year, Phil and Steve and Rob, you guys do super well, but like those, those kind of like elite, elite seasons that people put together and you see them at the top of the standings all over the place. What if the following year, all of those players played against each other in a highly competitive league 
without really a buy-in. So like it was all performance-based and they got to move on to this league. And so that's where this idea came from. And after having conversations with you guys and kind of, you know, whittling down the proposal and having a conversation with Derek at the NFBC, um, we've created a Champions League for the NFBC. And so the general idea is you can buy what's called a Champions League package, which is essentially one main event entry, one OC entry, and one DC entry. And in addition to those, that together, if you could do the 350 OC and you do a 150 DC, that's 2250. That's $2,200 and 50 cents. Or no, 2250, whatever. <laughs> $2,250, guys. I'm not a mathematician. All right. You were doing so well thus far. So and you just so screwed well it up. Like monologue at the beginning <laughs> of this, right? And, and then, but then you had a fee, which is called a Champions League fee, $250 fee that you tack on and you buy it as a package. And each player can only buy one. So you can't volume yourself into the Champions League, right? It's not like taking the best league, you know, that finishes in your main and the best one that finishes in the OC. No, you get one Champions League package, one shot at each three of these leagues, one main event, one OC and one DC. And then that $250 fee goes directly into the following year's competition to create the prize pool. So last year, correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, 149 people did one main event, one OC, and one DC. I think it might be 158 if you in include the more expensive. I had it as uh, 148, I believe, in total. Okay, so 148 in total. So... Um, Essentially, the prize pool for that Champions League of the best 15 players would be that $250 fee times however many players play in the Champions League. So at 149, um, the pot would be, um, it would be $37,250 with 60% going to first place, which would be 22350 30% going to second at 11,175 and 10% going to third, 3,725. But remember, the only thing that you had to do different than what you were doing previously is that $200, $250 fee. Once you qualify for the Champions League, like you're in it for free, right? The following year. And so how you qualify is essentially just taking the standings of all of these, these Champions League qualifying teams and you just aggregate them across the three different types of leagues and you get an overall standings and an overall points. And so the top 15 move forward in the first year after the first year, you know, once there's a champion, the champion moves forward and then the top 14 in subsequent years moves forward. So here's a league that really is, is low buy-in once you are already purchasing those other products. And then the pot, depending on how many people are in there, can be huge, right? It can be a high stakes league. And hopefully over time, as more and more people get interested, you know, you have a pot that continues to grow and grow and grow. If we were able to get 250 people in the Champions League, you're looking at a 62,500 pot. So 37,500 to the winner. And not only that, but you're talking about somebody who not only finished top 15 in this rigorous tournament against the best players in the NFBC and thereby the world, um, and you not only did that, but then you beat all 15 of them in the champions league, right? So you're essentially like the top person of Roto fantasy baseball for that year 
having gone through this grueling process um, to win it all. Now, there's a Sorry, lot of- I, I just yeah, want to throw in something as far as numbers. Uh, there's 454 unique people who do the main event. Um, so for those, it's an extra 750 bucks. And you're already paying 1750 for the main. It's an extra 750. It's one DC, so it's one lineup a week to, to set and one OC uh, to manage all year, plus the 250. Um, and you have a shot to be a good champion. So uh, if you're already paying 1750 for main, adding an extra 750 with, I guess, one and a half leagues to manage isn't that much to have a shot at that league. So um, I don't see right reason why we can't get like 300 plus in the, in the league of champions. Ooh. I mean, this is directly from the mouth of the robot, Phil Dussault, <laughs> yeah. who's telling you, if we had 450 people in there, that's a pot of $112,500 and $67,500 to the winner. Right. And again, it's only that additional 750, right? Or that additional 250, depending on who you are. So I'm super excited about it because, like, it, you know, there really isn't that one league in fantasy baseball, right? That you can look to and be like, you know, think about all the fab articles we write. I mean, think about how much more efficient it'll be if you just focus on the Champions League, you know? And you're like, <laughs> oh, guess what the Champions League did this year, right? Like, you know, like, oh, this person's going after this guy. You know, this person's going after this guy. Like, this person's spending, like, like wild, and this person's holding back. Like, these are different strategies, right? And that, that Champions League will be a 15-team live event in Las Vegas, a 15-team auction. So everybody gets every chance to get every player. You can employ whatever creative strategy you want. You can get your guys if you want. You can look for the values, whatever you want to do but it'll be an event without competing events. So everybody who's there can be there watching it and like just enjoying this pinnacle of fantasy baseball. And I love it too. It tests your 15 team fab, your 12 team fab, your 15 team draft and hold, and then you get into there and then you get the auction too. So full, um, it shows your full ability, a full range of skills to play every single league. And because I've always found that to be, um, you know, impressive when you look across the format and you see um, specific people doing well in best ball, in 12 team fab, in, in the 50, in the DC. And you see like a consistent name going across. And you're like, wow, this person enters specific leagues and they're very good in all of them, you know, as opposed to just mastering one. Cause I know there's a lot of people who are like, I refuse to play 15 or I don't like 12. Um, and this is gives that opportunity to show how good you are because that's the whole point, right? That Champions League is you're taking um, the best players in these various formats and getting them into one league. So it's super cool. I love it. Yeah. And, and also, that. too, um, you're, you're, you're going to be eligible to like, um, you, I think, you know, what you said too, you have to be there at the live draft. I think that's, really key for everyone to understand like that second year, once this um, champion league is formed, you must be in Las Vegas. Cause it's going to be an event, you know, we're going to make a big thing out of it. It's going to be cool. It's going to be whatever live stream broadcast, who knows, but um, must be there. Um, and also too, you must like, if you play three, four main events, whatever, um, you know, once you buy this package, right. Toby, like you must just like that, league it will be a designated champions league 
Um, so you can't just like draft four main events and say, oh, th- I want this main event as my Champions League. Like it's going to be one before the draft, you know, that's your Champions League main event or draft champions, whatever. Exactly. Like on the back end, and we worked with Derek and shout out to Derek and Greg um, and Tom and everybody at the NFBC for for being open to the idea and kind of working through it with us. But essentially, the teams that are Champions League qualifying teams will have a special designation like CLQ next to them. And that's how they'll grab those teams and know that those teams are different and aggregate them in the overall standings for it. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. You'll know going into that draft, this is my champions league team. And so, you know, theoretically that's the team where you're like, these are the guys that I want, you know, these are my go-tos. So, um, yeah, Steve, you had, you, you, you were going to ask about something. Yeah. But the, the, those teams will still be just in like regular main event leagues. Like you just choose whatever main event league or whatever, and whatever DC, it'll just be designated. Um, that's my understanding. And you guys talked about the the overall prize pool. And I think it's exciting to think about like how that would grow, but also because those are just regular entries, like you can still like cash with your OC team and cash with your main, like, you know, so like, and if you're, it's not like just, you know, 1750 for the main, and then you're putting out 750 uh, in additional fees, you're getting two more legs with that money and, you know, two more chances to cash in your leg or even like win it overall with your DC team that is designated as like a Champions League qualifier. Exactly. Yeah. Like you could have a Champions League qualifier that wins the main event. You just won your 200,000 or whatever, and you still get to go to the Champions League, right? Like the next year, I mean, it's not guaranteed, but theoretically, like if you are, if you win one of these leagues, it's going to be as long as you're in competition in the other two, you should be able to make that top 15. And so, yeah, like it's this, it's the exact same opportunity you'd have regularly just with that $250 additional fee that again, goes straight to that pot the following year. And, you know, there will be like a slight uh, amount. I think it's like 3%. Um, uh, and Derek said like max of a thousand, depending on how big the pot is that they'll take just to, for hosting the event and like doing all of those things, but everything else goes into that prize pool and is divided among, you know, the folks. And right now it's 60, 30, 10. If people have other thoughts on that, you know, we can always, we can always work around that, but um, it's super exciting. Like um, it doesn't really change. I think the dynamics generally within the NFBC, it just Mm -hmm. creates that one league where we can like have just, you know, yeah. All those people who had that tremendous league last year, pitted against each other in just this, you know, like grueling league where everybody's super into it. I mean, theoretically, like it's going to be, have one of the highest prize pools. There's obviously some of the higher stakes leagues, right? Like your diamond, your diamond auction, your platinum, you know, but um, uh, this one will have hopefully, you know, down the road, a similar or if not greater, you know, prize pool eventually. And then in year three, um, the winner of that first ever champions league will get an automatic entry into the uh, year three. Um, and then it'll just be uh, the next 14 up right to, to enter that league. And I think that the, I like that way of going about it because I think the winner should be able to defend them, their title. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you win that grueling league, like obviously you are, an incredibly high quality player. And it's also nice, like, yeah, like defending your title. And in soccer, that's how it works too. If you win the Champions League, you get automatic qualification for the next league. I love it. 
fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, one, one thing, Rob, that I'm super excited about is just like, like there's the league and there's the competition aspect of it, which I think is going to be absolutely phenomenal. But then I feel like it opens up so many different opportunities, just like for both individual players and podcasts and stuff like that. Like, you know, some of the examples that, you know, when I was, when I was sharing it with NFBC, but I think would be really cool for people out there who are playing is like, you know, number one, like you could have like a podcast. If you're a podcast, maybe you have like the champions league podcast and you interview all 15 players going into the podcast. Like, you know, they weren't, they're not going to give you all the details on strategy, but like having a conversation about last year and how they got there, what are some of the lessons they learned? What are they trying to incorporate into it? Do they have a specific strategy they want to talk about, you know, on that podcast, but really getting like a deep dive from each one of the champions league finalists, you know, um, um, in there, right. Yeah. Like you also have opportunities, um, you know, for individual players, right. Like let's say you're the first ever champions league winner, or you've qualified for the champions league five straight years, you know, like there are fantasy sites out there maybe, or fantasy products that you use that people may want to say like, Hey, you know, like, Maybe there's an opportunity for um, you to generate some income by saying, hey, you know, like I use X drafting guide every single you know, time I play. Right. So you have opportunities. You get to meet and learn about people like, you know, Phil, like Steve, like Rob, like the person that I always think about, too, is like Jason DuPont. You know, like everybody yeah. knows when <laughs> Jason's in a league because he's like his voice. Right. And he's always throwing out his, you know, his Yankees yep. to get the get the price up. You know, he's always th throwing out Anthony Volpe. But like just getting to know those personalities like a little bit more through this league. You know, you can live stream the actual event itself in addition to having everybody who's there in, in Vegas who's staying through the weekend, being around the table and being in the background, you know, like depending on how many people it's going to be, you could have like a little studio audience, whatever it is but really kind of like highlighting it as, as a pinnacle. And, you know, you could even have players like streamed, right? Like everybody's mic during the auction. So like you get that, you know, like funny back and forth of people, you know, like, Oh, is, are they going to go past 40 on Shohei this year or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it is, there's, there's like so much opportunity. I feel like to grow the game and to grow the players and for people to develop that, like that name, you know, recognition within, within the community, not just like for being fantastic personalities, people can already do that. Right. But really like based on how, how you play and, um, and your performance exclusively. And one yeah, more I thing, um, Toby and Derek are going to be looking for sponsors. Uh, if there's a way to grow that, that price pool. Uh, so it fits fan graphs, FTN, Rotowire, baseball HQ, whoever, um, Toby and Rob are going to be at, at, uh, first pitch Arizona. So go up to them, go up to, I think Greg's going to be there as well. Um, either way, um, someone wants to throw in some money and has ideas for content for whatever, for champions league, um, go up to them and strike a deal. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Strike we have like deal. the Rotowire online championship, you know, yeah. like why would you, why would sponsors not want to connect themselves to the event? itself right whether they're it's like sponsored by or maybe there's a premier sponsor but with having like that money going back into the pot to make it an even more creative thing and like one of the things for me that i love too is like just the narratives that will develop from that right like i remember like when i first started playing the nfbc right you start off and you play like an oc 
And then you win that. And then you use that to get into the main the next year. Like you can have players who are like, totally don't know what the NFBC is, you know, like find out about the champions league, start out low and like work their way up. And all of a sudden, like three, four, five years into the league, you have players who maybe had never played in a main event before, but have worked their way from like a $50 home league all the way into the champions league and the chance to win like some really life changing, you know, funding or funding uh, money, you know, like it's just really, um, I feel like there's so many cool things that can come from it. And then I think also as somebody who like really enjoys the NFBC, thinks it's a fantastic product, like getting more people involved, more engaged, like, there's so many great analytical minds out there now, like so many people who are passionate about fantasy baseball. Let's let's show them that like the NFBC is the place to be. And where just by being, you know, really good at fantasy baseball, you can put yourself in these leagues with a really high prize pool and the ability in a standalone league to win, uh, you know, a significant amount of money. So it's super exciting to me. Every time I think about it, like I get more and more excited by the potential and the opportunities of it. And I think it's also a, a quicker way to grow um, your NFBC bankroll. Cause if, if you're a really good player, you could finish second in your main first in your OC second in your DC, which would get you something what, like about 5,000 in, in price. So maybe three K profits like that, but something like that is probably good enough to quality for the champion qualify you for the champions league uh, where you have a shot at whether it's 20, 30, 40, 50,000, whatever the price ends up being. So um it's Good it's a, a, a way to have a shot at quick money because uh, winning an overall is is tough, um, but just doing well across three contests can give you a shot um, at a one to fifteen chance at at a big big price. So um, I think that, that like it could be a quicker way to, to grow your bankroll for for a lot of people. Absolutely, yeah. and especially like reading all the stories and. In the uh, pull hitter discord, there's so many people who just started playing or just like won their first main event qualifiers or won their first mains and were just doing better in DCs. And you could just see the excitement they gain. Um, and I felt the same way, you know, when I first got involved and first won. And it's, it's that feel like it's, I don't know, it just grows and um, it could just continue. You gain all that momentum. And like you said, you can put your name up against so many different other people. And um, I already have a Google doc, Toby, like with bullet points on podcasting about this. I'm, I'm like super, super ready. Like super, like you said, like it gives, I think it'll give everyone a chance to bring out themselves if they want to. Obviously people, some people like to be private about it and that's fine. Um, but giving you like an identity, right? Give, like that's what it's all about these days. I feel like everyone's got their, you know, their, their, what do you call like the intellectual properties, right? Everyone's got their, everyone's got their thing and their brand. And um, you could really go somewhere with that. I, it's funny. The other night I had like this vision of like, almost like an MV, like an MTV real world style, like with like, you know, have this like dramatic, like, you know, filming or, or podcasting where everyone's like has these, uh, you know, things about other people. Like you could make it really, I don't know. There's so many ways, like you said, there's so many ways it could go. And I feel like it's going to go in some awesome places um, and really give uh, like highlight this hobby that we have that I feel like um, needs to be brought out further than where it is right now. For sure. Yeah. One of the things that actually made me super excited about, excited about it was kind of 
you know, to, to Phil's point, like what we're trying to really reward is like consistently consistent yes. consistency, right? Yep. Like there are situations where you get unlucky. Like you have a dynamite team, like think about Steve, Steve lost his, he finished, you know, um, or, or, um, what's his name? Uh, the, Steve won his league <laughs> and finished second in the overall, but lost to somebody else in his league. Right. Sorry, Steve. I don't mean to like bring that up and, you know, but like, but like, that's an example of just being like, you know, like super unlucky. Right. And so we don't want that to happen and prevent people. Like we're going to be rewarding consistency. And one of the things that made me think about it, honestly, is like, you know, there are certain people who win all the time, but there's also like certain people who never finish last. Yeah. You know, like never finish 15th, right. You know, never finish 14th, never finish 13th, never finish 12th, never finish 11th. In a champions league, there's going to be a lot of people like that who have never finished like last and like somebody's got to though right like in this super competitive environment somebody's got to great point so like and so just those things and like the pride people take in how well they do i also think it's a way to keep people more engaged for longer as well like we all know that as football season starts like some of some of the involvement wanes well people who have like champions league right like let's say you're your teams aren't doing that great in the leagues, but like you're 30th in the champions league and you know, you can move up to the top 15, you know, you're going to stick with that league. You're going to keep, you're going to keep going. Right. And that really protects the integrity of the leagues overall um, as we move forward. So I'm, I'm just super excited about it. Like every, every time I hear like a new point, I'm like, this is it. Like, this is why this is going to be so cool. You know, that's a great point. I, I, how you put that about someone's gonna have to finish you know last if it's because i remember when i first started to get into the podcasting game and won the overall i'm talking to phil and feels like you know you got to get these these this guy on your pod or this guy at that point i was still getting used like where where is the historical standings i had no clue where this stuff was and that's another thing great about the nfbc right it's all there you could follow it to have a hall of fame these all the things that it's like may sound ridiculous to some people, but to us, it means a lot. Um, and I just remember, you know, starting to navigate through the site and looking at some player pages. And I just remember like, Steve was one of the first ones. I was like, holy shit, this guy doesn't finish past sixth ever. <laughs> He's always in the top, you know, third of the league. It's Those are the things that, like you said, that consistency of, of um, even if you're not always winning, you're always there, you know, you're always a force. And, um, so cool. So cool. Like, cause I mean, I remember when you brought it up, I started thinking in my head um, without even looking at the site. Cause I, I just remember sitting there thinking about the people like who, who possibly could be, you know, like there, you know, automatically. Cause just playing in so many draft champions, um, not, I don't play a lot of OCs. I only played three this year, but you know, you kind of just know just by looking at the standings and the overalls every single year, it's kind of the stuff we track. And, um, you know, uh, immediately started thinking of all these people like, Oh, this guy might be a threat. This guy might be a threat. You know, one guy at the table that we were there, like James Anderson, you know, he, he crushes all those leagues. And I was like, Oh, James is going to be someone who's like, you know, a, a instant threat in this kind of league and then like you said you're like oh man like what if i have to play against all these people <laughs> in one intense league and i think that's what really um what really makes the nfbc uh you know truly awesome um is that like 
everything we do, I feel like is, is is magnified. Like there's more pressure behind every fab move we make, every draft pick we make. And this will only make that more, you know, like a bigger thing, big scale. So what's going to happen to, to us if two or three or four of us are in there? Oh, shit. <laughs> I, I won't make it, Bill, so it's all right. It's all right. You three can fight it out, and I'll just be on the sidelines. Like, I got no – I got no – yeah, I got dibs on second. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's the good. The good news is we won't have paid a lot of money to get into right. it. It'll just be that two fifty fee. So we'll just be like, guys, we're cool with whatever happens, you know. Um, but like that it. would be sad. That would be kind of sad if we were all in it together. But I'm sure we'd have a good time with it. Yeah, I mean, cause it, yeah, because like you said, the, the price pool is kind of a bonus. So whatever happens, happens. Just talking fat, but we'll figure it out. Oh. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, you know, when in an ideal world, right? Like, even though we chat about these things, like each of us has a different opinion yeah. in terms right. of value, like on wa waiver wire, like the amount that you're going to go or like which of the players that are all exactly the same, you know, is yeah. the one that you're going to go after. So it'll, there'll be a thousand percent. There's more disagreements yeah. in our chats than fucking <laughs> agreements. There's without a doubt. <laughs> I think the, the like the the most common theme is if a random player is available in one of our leagues but not anywhere else. Like mm -hmm. that's when I'll crowdsource. Like because if like I don't know if Schoolbook is available, like we all kind of know what the range is going to be. So whoever bids the most is going to get them. But if someone like in my league, someone dropped Nolan Jones, that's when I'll reach out to everyone. So I'm like, oh, I have no idea because there's no other league to look at. There's no one talking about him. He's 99% owned and that's when I'll like crowdsource. I'm like, what do you guys think? Um, right. So no, I would say, get him. No, I did. I did. Yeah. You're yeah. totally right about that. Cause there was weekends where we're like, I'm going after this guy, this guy, this guy. I'm like, these guys aren't fucking available in my week. Or like, <laughs> or like I have no desire for these plays either. So this, I think that's so, um, you know, it's all on brand. Or us. But, I, you know, I think half the time it's just me trying to mess with you guys. I also think that, like, you know, it's kind of like with the higher priced auctions, too. Like, a lot of times you'll mm. find that the players that you're going for in the main events, like, oftentimes aren't available in those leagues sometimes. At least right. I've found, you know, that. That it's actually, like, maybe even a week delayed or people are just maybe – having you know thinking about a week or two out yeah. a little bit more so like yeah like you said there's going to be so much difference in the player pool and with an ultra competitive league like that there will be a lot of people who are deploying different strategies you know like so it'll be it'll be super interesting and i think you said the plan was to have it something like sunday night in vegas or after most of the league so yeah. that no one's scared about giving away their players if for if for whatever reason someone can't make it they need a proxy they can send their rankings to someone else and someone else can do the auction on sunday night so uh there'll be no like no more i mean yes there'll still be drafts like the other days but at least there'll be one of the last few drafts um so no one can be kind of scared about giving away their players or, or whatever else totally totally i absolutely agree and i also think like at that level honestly like you know, I, I don't know. My own personal philosophy is just like, I'm not that worried about like who every other people want to get, you know, yeah. like, you know, you're going to expect competition on any player because it's like, they're, you're, you're all going for good players. So it's not exactly of, like, 
like, but it's well, not going to be like it's not going to be like on Friday night where everyone's looking at it, and then the next day you have the Saturday mains where everyone's in and everyone kind of saw who you went after in the auction. So we'll make sure that it's 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 one of the last few weeks. And uh-huh. I think there's also this added element too of like, man, like, what if I, you know, will anyone try any really wild strategies in terms of like my draft champions in January is going to be the one, you know, like. Yeah. Um, I feel like the first OC I do in like mid February or end of February, I always do the best in those. I just feel like I don't know why, but my brain does better with my end game picks. Like I'm more aggressive, just picking guy that like I remember um, two years ago was J Rod, you know, because like spring training had just started, he was playing all the time. It was like rumors. He, I'm like took him as one of my last picks, like before he gained that, you know, that that whole steamroll, uh, and. I, I don't know. I just feel because like that was one of the things I was thinking about the other night. Like, you know, would I wait? Because I feel like that first OC I do, it's always my best one uh, because I don't know. There's several reasons I feel that way. It's just the narrative I built up. But it's what I want to do that. Like, would I do that? And I think that's so cool. It's like a, already like I'm thinking about how to attack yeah. it. I've yeah. never tested it for OCs, but I remember testing for, for best balls. And I assume it's the same for DCs. Um, the average points in terms of uh, like average overall points is higher the closer we get to March, which is kind of normal because if you draft someone in, in December, um, there's going to be across the, the entire league, there's more injured players. So like the total points in the league is going to be lower uh, the earlier you draft. But in terms of the first few teams in every league, those yes. were pretty even all across um, just because mm-hmm. there's more bargains early. So um yes there might be a little bit more luck involved but if you think you might need like a couple more more chance take more chances take some shots you can drop your dc early and it does like usually if you average out like the top like i'm guessing the overall points from the winner of every um draft champions league i'm pretty sure it's gonna be pretty even all across um whether it was drafted in in november or in in march and you're yeah. also going to have some overlap. I'm sure there's going to be some, right? I'll have some teams that are are playing in the same actual main event, yeah. Right, that that are like both the Champions League qualifier team. So you may yeah. have two or three teams in one league battling for that spot, and that that just gives it another elevated, um, you know, like storyline about that yeah. one main event league. So I just think that's so. It's so wild. And like you said, like Toby, two teams that's fighting for, for sixth, or, sixth or seventh in the same main event, but they're all dominating their OC and their DC, and they're still making bids uh, the last week of the season to try to, to get every point. Um, right. There's things like you're, that, yeah. You're fabbing to, like, the overall of a champion yeah. league, you know? <laughs> like, trying to move up in that just to get in. So cool. Wow, it's just, oh, man, everything new pops into my head. Like you said, Toby, it's like, oh, shit, that too, that too. Or Dude, if you're it's it's going to add event. layers. Yeah, yeah. so many layers. Trying to block someone else. Uh, if you're fighting with them for the championship, right, whatever. Right, 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 uh, right. Oh, man, this is sick. <laughs> this is Strategy sick. to a new level right yeah. here. Strategy to a new level right here. This is this is unbelievable. Um you guys have any anyone in mind that's like a a threat? Who's some big threats in here? Are we gonna start spitting out names or what? 
Steve. Well, well, Phil, you 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 had like a list of people who would have Steve, qualified last. Of course, time, right? he's got a list for everything. I mean, these guys are like he's got a list wrong. for everything. I gotta find it. Uh, <laughs> Steve, he, Steve's got a he, list. He's actually got a list. You guys can't see it because this is radio only. He's got a list right behind him on the wall in bold letters of all the top NFBC players, and all I see is maybe like. His son's Nerf gun or something like that that he's been shooting at the list. I, I'm, I'm, yep. I'm not exactly sure, you know, but he's got some targets up there. So yeah, he he. It's it's actually like a like a Halloween witch list. Um, he's 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 sticking a, a needle in his uh, dolls, and everyone's gonna suffer once he finds out who's in his Champions League. <laughs> I do have a question though. How are the uh, how is the overall going to be calculated for the side pod? Is it going to be like adding up all the stats and then ranking those separately or like Yeah, it'll be it'll be stats based. So it'll compare okay. the stats okay. to um yeah, to to one like at, like adding up all three leagues or is it going to be like all I guess separate rankings then they add up or something like that? Like if I you're think, like I'm like trying to think like if you're weak in saves in your DC, well, getting more saves in your OC and main, like compensate, or are they going to be treated separately? I think the way we were thinking about it was the three separate leagues will be. Okay. Yeah. You'll have like overall points in OC, overall points in main, overall okay. points in DC, and then those those combine. Yeah. Exactly. So if so if there's like two hundred teams in the in the in the in the champion in the side pot i guess it's gonna be like one to two hundred um for each league for, for each league totally. and then those add up so it's gonna be out of 600 points or whatever yeah okay. exactly yeah that makes more sense yeah but more like the 450 you mentioned before so like 900 yeah, yeah. Out of 13. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool this is uh this is dynamite i'm so i'm so ready for this this is this is this is gonna be awesome you guys want to hear the list i had had the 50 yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah okay so this isn't perfect because like i well, i couldn't know which team each person would figure it out so i did the average um average of each person's main events ocs and dcs and then average those three together um so adam mayer scott gilbert james anderson uh myself rob d toby g Austin Sauters, Danny Bronski, Johnny Riccio, Griffin Benger, Adam Baker, Chris Oliver, Arthur Restelli, Scott Ross, Chas Nelson, and I believe Jason Anthony was uh, 16, something like that. Booms. Booms. Dang. I and just Steve didn't do record. an OC. For the record, for the record, I have not done an OC. <laughs> <laughs> Steve did not do an OC. Did he did he, not, he was DQ'd. Three or four years. Like a, like but like, I was considering it anyway, and this will get me back into it for sure. Yeah, there we think, go. Like part of it is like, yeah, like they, I don't know, but not as hard. Um, and and more people drop out, and it's easier to lose interest. But that won't happen if you're also like using it right. for the Champions League. So I was out of the. Uh, so that was out of the 148 that did all three. Uh, but one thing I found interesting there were maybe like the five or six names. Um, that had the decent lead, but like between like 11 and like 25 or 30, the numbers were all really, really close. So I think oh, whatever happens, it's going to be like those Seven. last few spots are going to be battled until the last week or last couple of days. Um, it's going to be cool to pay attention to that. Oh man, the sweats are going to be so unbelievable because you have three leagues. Right. So that last day, you're like, I'm hoping for <laughs> home runs from this guy, these, this team. I'm hoping for steals from this team. 
Like, It'll be too be... complicated to even look at it. it fighting it with like five teams with oh, that last spot who each have three teams. Um, it's going to be like refreshing the standings and just hoping for the best, not even knowing what you're cheering for. <laughs> Jesus. Totally. And, we'll and add- one of the things that we're going to find out, I think is one outstanding question is just like, will there just be the package of the main a 350 OC and a 150 DC, or will there be other permutations? Like if you wanted to do a 750 D, uh, OC, you know, could you include that in the package with just that $250 yeah. fee? So we're going to try to figure that one out. That seems like the one kind of outstanding issue that we got to figure out. Cause some people like to do the higher, higher price point, you know, um, for the OCs and the DCs. And a 400. It does make it harder too. So you got to balance. I mean, like, right, do I want to be harder. in the Champions so League? wants to do it, you can't say. Uh, so as I'll, I mean, I'll, um, I'm one of the people that are uh, in that group that usually do $1,000 DC and 750 OC. So I'll talk to Derek about it, see if it's complicated, complicated to have all the packages up there. But uh, it's not like you're getting an edge by doing a $1,000 DC as opposed to $150. No. It makes it tougher. So anyone who, who wants to do it and is, is dumb enough like myself to do it that way. Um, then they should be uh, they should be allowed to. <laughs> Just like Rob's OC in in Vegas, if if someone if if you want to make that your your OC for League of Champions, I mean, good for you. Right. You're just making it more complicated for yourself. But it, I mean, and and I actually was thinking about not like think like not doing OCs this year or just doing one. Uh, but this one, you know, this is gonna keep me at least just wanting to stay in that i was done with those days now I'm look at this now you're Kobe, back in Kobe right back i was the same man i was i was ocs and dcs and now i'm back in so i think one thing, thing is like my working. um last year my 750 <laughs> oc i think i was like going back and forth between second and third at the end of the year and i was obviously fighting for for the platinum for the ultimate auction and the main events the oc kind of like was behind though so yes i do fab every week i'll do line up pay attention to it but um i'd spend less time on fab because i was focused on the other leagues uh but now if you're adding league of champions where that oc becomes a lot more important then it becomes a lot more interesting to do it uh and i think a lot of people might kind of come across that where they don't want to bother with the 150 dc or whatever they're already doing oc and main don't want to bother 150 dc in setting lineup but that 150 DC could be really important. It could be worth a lot of money. So um, just one, put in a little bit of effort to draft 50 rounds. You can do it now. You can do it in February, whenever. Uh, and then just one lineup a week and gives you a shot at, at the League of Champions. Is it is it League of Champions or Champions League? Toby, what's it getting? Champions it's, League? It's Champions League, technically, Champions. but we'll let, right. we'll let Phil. Right. He's Canadian, so we'll let him, <laughs> we'll let him go. Uh, League of Champions. He's Canadian. We, we flip everything around in French, so. Yeah. <laughs> hey, oh, in, in, uh, in French, the Champions League is, is Ligue des Champions, so it's kind of, it's League mm-hmm. of Champions, um, if you translate it word for word, so I'll keep yeah. calling it that way. You All can right. do it. I think I think we'll know what I think we'll know what you're talking about. How do you say what's what's the French word for mushrooms? Something um, Is it the same? What is it? What, what do you mean? It sounds like champions. Or champagne. Oh, oh, champignon. Yeah, it sounds like champions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's the the league of mushrooms. Look at for you, sure. Steve, with the, the league of the league of mushrooms. <laughs> 
Jesus Christ. This is the part of the show when they're like, are these guys talking about psilocybin? What the I hell know, is going on? I was going to say, somebody's, I mean, somebody's <laughs> in Vegas, you know, you never know. Somebody's going to the draft table, just <laughs> having the time of their life. <laughs> we didn't, yeah, you're going to get up there. You're going to have to sign a waiver. Yeah, it's actually part of the draft. We didn't tell you guys. Uh, <laughs> fucking crazy. And like one thing, you know, um, I know me and Steve are already in some drafts right now for some draft champions. And, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, the ADP seemed very wild. Um, the league changed so much, right? The stats changed so much. The 80th, 90th percentiles, all these things um, are changing. And, like, so now we're going to be, you know, like playing for these leagues and trying to get our best foot forward and how we always do. But now there's another layer of it. Um you know, I don't know the. It changed so much. I I can't I can't believe that I had three hundred stolen bases on a team, like on one fucking team. You know, like that's how many. That's how much guys stole this year. The 80th percentile went up to you know extraordinary amounts this year. Um, just 154, 190, 184 for 90th. It's so wild for me. It's like so many different numbers that uh that that, that we have to absorb. You know. I don't know. What do you guys think about the stolen bases this year? It's coming here. You think it's going to be a team? Like, you think defensive teams are going to get better at it? Like, teaching your, like, pitchers more, like, time to time to home? Or or you think guys are going to have this much success next year as well? I'd love to see that. The number. I, I tweeted at um, Tom Tango um, asking if there's numbers, like, um, after the pitcher throws the first once and he said they're kind of working out something like that because like the feeling got from watching games is like even fast runners they were kind of on first base they just like kind of taunt the, the pitcher and get him to throw throw over once yeah and once he throws over once they go right away um and i'm curious if teams are going to see those numbers and adjust based on that and be like we're not throwing the first just um, don't throw the first right right, right. If, if you want to still go for it but um or don't step off in any way um i'd love to see that. it's just the feeling i got from watching the games this i don't know if, it, if it's true or not i'm looking forward to seeing the numbers if, if they do come out but um I, i'd love to see it because i it really looked like that when i watched the games right like will more pitches go to a stretch more you know like um that a full wind-ups I wonder like what some organizations will, you know, will stress because, you know, some teams are going to be up on something, you know, Um, I think because like just constantly reading, even Kyle Body's always talking about it. Like he was during the season, he was always talking about time, times home, like and and how like there was such a big thing that they practice, uh, you know, all through the minors. And I wonder how many more teams now will adapt that. It's pretty, you know, because there's so many teams that are slow to the analytics game that that aren't even doing the basic things that we that we know. But now there's this extra layer of um, of stolen bases, the pitch clock. Because <clears throat> um, even in the playoffs, you know, you could really see how much more playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> how much more it's magnified, like with 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 the pitch clock and and the batter really having to be um, smart about taking a timeout, um, or the catcher runs out, you know, <laughs> when it's like down the one, he just all of a sudden sprints, prints to the mound. That's my favorite one too. Uh, it's like 
and they, then like they they have that. a fake discussion. You know, it's like a, you know, they do the faces like they're yeah, all right, you know, he's like no nah, man, you just took a you know, but they that's what we're gonna do. Like, how many times the game Kimbrel like JTRs will have to keep doing it for Kimbrel? Like how could yeah, he like, yeah. not like at this point <laughs> in the season he still had no idea about the first talk. Um. I mean, it's a, it's gonna, it's gonna be a totally different landscape. I'm really interested just to, I mean, you guys have probably already done it, but like figuring out SGP factors and right. you know, it feels like this year is a little bit. I mean, I'll be interested to see if there are any additional changes or ways that we feel like the league is shifting. But it feels like we've had like a constantly moving target with the different balls yeah. being used with everything. This feels like the first year where theoretically, again, theoretically, there shouldn't be any dramatic changes like. Is there a reason why they would change the ball this year? Probably not. I mean, like offense and pitching were pretty in alignment this year. Like we know what the impact of, you know, the shift and, and the bigger bases and all of those things are. So it almost feels eerily strange to be like, you know, this, it seems like there's no major changes coming, but of course there, there inevitably will be. I think the yeah, one that could be is the, the robot yeah. ops. But nah, like, I knew you were fucking talk about that. Um, no, I'm not. Th- I just no. I I just wanted to mention it, but I'm moving on. Um, but I not think- next year, like the year <laughs> after, right? Right. Um, I think we can shit on MLB for a lot of things, but they've been kind of working the last like four or five years. It's been kind of a long transition, but to get the game exactly where they want it to, it to be, and yes, they mess with the ball without telling us and and whatever, but. And like if the if you look at what they kind of accomplished last year with batting average going way up, um, K rate is kind of staying consistent. Um, it was it went down in 2022, moved up a little bit in 2023, but not a lot. Um, scoring was up, stolen bases were up, games are quicker. Um, like I think the way baseball is right now, it's a really really good game. Um, and like as far as as balls in play and everything like that, I don't think they're going to mess with it anymore. Like the home runs were like, it seems like the number was perfect um, where you can change the game with the home run, but it's not all about home runs. Um, So I don't expect them to change much. um, At least like from what we've kind of read over the last few years, like what they've accomplished this year is, I think is what they've been trying to do for a while. Um, So, I mean, I, I, I don't expect much to change, but I think, I think the product on Phil is, is as good as it's been in a long time. So I have a question though, for, for all of you, but especially you, Phil, like, do you think that decreases your edge? Cause like for the rules changes, you had better predictions mm-hmm. than most people about how that would affect the stats. I think my edge was in best ball. So I think the projections weren't adjusted yet. So if you draft the more stolen base players, um, those were exact points that you were getting. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Roto, I think, like even if someone hadn't adjusted their projections, if they were targeting, if they were drafting 110 or 120, and I was drafting 140, 150, whatever, like in the end, the guys that he was expecting to steal 110 end up stealing 130, 140. Um, so I don't think in in a roller league it really changed much. Um, what about me? for the for the shift though? Because didn't I can't remember. Yeah, but didn't some projections not like it was pretty clear they had not accounted for the shift yeah maybe a little bit for the shift but i think the shift affected what like 20 30 players mm-hmm. um 
Like, I don't well, think it was a ton. And I, I think they were mostly lefties, too. And I usually try to avoid lefties. So. Sorry, did you say Steve? I was like, yeah, mostly just brought up Schwerber's average. <laughs> yeah. He would have hit 150 without the, without the change. <laughs> there was some point, too, where um, I would just look up and be like, it looks like the guy still can go so far to the middle. You know, I know the shortstop can't play yeah. on the other side a second, but sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, when you still see, there were still like rips up the middle and you see the guy like there already or just making his last move laterally. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> like that, that didn't change much, right. you know? Um, and there was so many of those, you know, like how many direct shots up the middle when someone stopped, you know, playing towards the middle. It's just, yeah, it, it, it was still plenty of instances where I, I saw balls being hit. I'm like, yeah, that's. I mean, it brought like Babbitt went up to, to uh, 297, batting average 248. And that's basically what it was in 2018. So when we were starting to see some shifts, um, so it kind of went. So, like, I think in 2018, it might have been like making up these numbers. But from what I remember, it was something like 10%. Um, so it's kind of, it still has an impact. Uh, but not as it did the last few years. Like Babbitt went up 0.007, batting average 0.005. So um, we're kind of back to what it was five years ago, which I think is good. Uh, and I don't think, I don't expect it to move much. I don't think teams can really do a lot more um, in terms of defensive alignment that they've been doing, that they did this year. Um, so like it's not perfect, but it is better than what it was. If, if like, you have like the edge is the projections, right? Like, I right. mean, not only the projections, but like understanding the underlying assumptions that are in projections and then being able to tweak the way your valuation system like understands those assumptions by weighting yeah. them and or by like even like I'm just thinking about with auctions, like the way that you can there's different elements that you can shift around that help you get a better gauge on what the true value is like understanding, like which you guys have helped me understand a lot, like just things like what is replacement level, you know, and how does that impact in an auction? You know, the value that different guys have. I think my biggest edge is probably not like, yes, my numbers are slightly better than what what's available publicly, but I think my biggest edge is that they're my own. So one, one I'll be, um, a, like different than what anyone else has in terms of liking players. So I'll like players that a lot of people don't like, uh, but also knowing what the strengths and weaknesses are of it, especially in season. Like you, it's it's very hard to build something that's perfect um, where you don't have to make any manual adjustments. But for me, the adjustments I have to make mentally, um, I know what they are. So if I'm setting my lineup in middle of July and I'm going back and forth between two or three players, like I know right away what my tiebreaker should be because I know it's not included. Um, whereas if someone is using Rasball, Rasball is great, but the tiebreaker you use might is probably already in Rasball, so you're kind of double counting something. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's fine; it's a, it's a tiebreaker, but um, I think that's one of my biggest edges: just knowing where everything comes from and being able to um, adjust mentally um, to, to what the weaknesses are. One thing I found a little wild is like so the batting average the batting average went up to 248 um and that's just uh i mean 
I know I have I have draft champions up right now. Maybe I should bring up main event. Um, but in the draft champions, I'll look at the main event after I say this. But um, so draft champions 80th percentile average was two five six three. Um and the batting average was 248. But two years ago, where like the environment was kind of similar, um, it was a 244 average, league average, and um, so less so average, but the 80th percentile was 262. So it's like 0.6 higher, 0. 0.06 higher. Uh, but you know, like we captured more of it in the 80th percentile, but this year it wasn't like the 80th percentile only went up from 2553 to 2563, even though the league average went from 243 to 248. So we didn't capture um, all of it, you know, like, or as much of it, I guess, that I thought it would go up. Um, I don't know. I, I wonder, like, because um, the players whose average increased the most um, are, there's probably a lot of platoon bats in there. If they're mostly lefty power hitters, there might be a lot of platoons that you don't necessarily that aren't rostered as much. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. Or the other the other thing I can think of is with um with um stolen bases going up, like the the guys that we saw steal a lot of bases, um, at least in bunches, um, they might just been very poor hitters. Um but they mm. might have become more valuable because they stole so many bases that you're like, okay, I'll take the hidden batting average, I'll take the hidden power, whatever. I need those 10 stolen bases in the next three weeks. Um, so I'll use them. So it might explain why, like, the overall batting average didn't go up as much as. Um, as no, we captured it in the main, though. We captured it in the main. Yeah, yeah. It was at 260, the average okay. from 256 to 260, um, the 80th and, percentile. And can you just edit out everything I said so I don't sound like an idiot? No. <laughs> It was, it was a great <laughs> hypothesis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, Science hey, is about trying. testing hypotheses, and we tested it, Phil, and sorry. <laughs> there was not. Your no hypothesis was... One thing I saw, too, though, in Draft Champions, the other like kind of thing I was looking at, at least in the percentiles, was for uh, Draft Champions, um, the, the 80th and 90th percentile in saves, right? So in 2021, 80th percentile was 67 and 90th was 78. So a gap of 11. Last year, 80th was 63. 90th was 73. Gap of 10. This year, 80th percentile was 54 and 90th was 70. It was like a gap of 16. So I don't know. I don't know what can that, that can be attributed to. I guess maybe that's just more of like team strategies. Um, in Is this a trap where you get me to talk again? And <laughs> you bring out the main event numbers. To... <laughs> He's like, but in the main, no, no, uh, this you're, one, you're wrong, <laughs> Phil. Yeah, but I, you know, at least like, Staves is just a, I guess, slightly different ball game. But um, well, it feels like I mean, I mean, this is just me putting out a. No, it's the same that, gap in the main. Sorry, it's the same gap seven seven gap, seven every year. Gap. So, um, well, I just feel like I mean, the stats. I, I don't know if it's accurate, but it felt like things were tighter generally. Like, I mean, home runs, it felt like a clock across my leagues were super tight. We're just mm -hmm. like a handful of home runs could make a huge difference. And so I'm not sure exactly what, what that is. You know, I have no hypothesis as to why that was the case, but it seemed like there was a more even distribution um, of stats generally. Um mm -hmm. But again, that's probably just me 
projecting I'll, whatever I'll, happened. I'll give it a shot for saves. I think I have an idea. It might be because this year so many top closers hang, um, hung on to their job. Um, okay. Whereas, um, say, a couple of years ago when Liam Hendricks became available, like the team that gets Liam Hendricks could have been the team that already has two closers and now has three. Uh, whereas this year, if there's no closer that came in fab that had like that got 30 saves, um, then most teams probably drafted one or two closers. So they're kind of closer and then you didn't get that extra fab boost for, from one guy that can bump up that two closer team to three closers that, that dominate. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if next year, if the save lands, if the landscape is different, that, that don't, those numbers go back to, to what it was. It only takes a couple of guys that are available in fab that go, that get 20 plus saves or whatever um, to, to make some teams get 90, 100 saves. Um, the the other thing that's changing uh, so far in, in at least draft, and I think it was probably uh, a lot of hype that was uh, geared toward this. Russell Withers, my recent guest on the show, wrote an article about this, but talking about um, how to predict playing time for like the prospects of, of 2024 because, um, like he was saying, the new uh, – Conventional wisdom is that baseball getting younger teams are bringing up their guys up earlier, right? So, like, how will that affect teams drafting and draft champions? And I've seen it uh, firsthand, like, just the last 15 rounds of pitchers, like, there's no more waiting until round 45 or 46 to take Bryce Miller was last year. Like, double-A guys are going around 35, 36, mm. you know, like, you feel it. And um, I don't know, Steve, like – how are you because i know you're drafting now how are you are you uh i know you're you know the boring is beautiful way but are you trying to maybe put your eye on a couple more prospects or just going to keep doing your thing um probably just doing my thing i don't yeah. know the <laughs> prospects like to, to put yeah. in the work to really like learn them um right might yeah. not be worth it um but yeah if there's people that start to move up like you know high in ADP, I'll, I'll see why, um, if I can look into that. But, you know, for the most part, um, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like right now it's just the AFL guys. I, I see it in, in in the slow draft. I'm in, you know, around 43, 44, and it's like, you know, Victor Scott, just, you know, 80 stolen bases with the Cardinals and double A. And it's, he hit the home run, the stolen base in the AFL. Someone took him like the next day, you know, like gaining steam. And it's, uh, it's just the way it is. Like um, I did it with a dude on the Blue Jays. My, uh, my, what I thought was Italian um, brethren, Damian, Damiano Palmagiani, but he's uh, a Venezuelan Canadian apparently, which is really wild to me, but it's, that's okay. It's still on my team. Um no, but it, is. it feels like that's an ed the, the the edge though. I mean, I feel like part of the edge is the overreaction to the previous year's results, right. right? Like, right. like it's a one year sample, and so it feels like the edge is. That's why I feel like it's so important to anchor yourself to something, right? Like you've got to have some process that anchors your values. Otherwise, you're just blowing in the wind, you know. Like is recency bias an anchor? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, it's, it's, I would highly recommend it for everybody competing in the Champions League with me. Would just be run your projections based on what happened last year and let's just roll. Let's do it. I think it's just an interesting because I I I've noticed the last few years where DCs have changed where the Adam Fraser type who is 
guaranteed playing time, but um, was it anything special? Was kind of going in like round 35, like I want to say three, four years ago. And the last few years moved up to round 25, round 30, um, where the, that like bad guaranteed playing time. And it used to be like an, also like an Adam Wainwright um, guaranteed starter who's not good. You could get him around 40, around 45. And that really changed the last few years. And I think part of that might be Steve and I's success um, in DCs uh, where we've kind of talked about like getting playing time and also people getting smarter. But I do wonder if um, that might change and if, if the overreaction to double A pitchers um, might make those guys available like like they were uh, three, four years ago. And maybe they aren't, they aren't worth anymore what they were three, four years ago because the landscape in, in MLB is changing. But um, I do find it interesting to see how it, it might kind of be going back to, to what it was a few years ago. Yeah, because there's more like, you know, there's there's always going to be the, um, I want the next Grayson Rodriguez, right? I want the next um, Bobby Millers. Those guys are, are, you know, still like now similarly coveted, but now there's more of like, who's the next result in? Right, like who is this yeah. guy I don't know about? The results got picked in twenty six draft champions last year, which is pretty phenomenal. That you know, because he wasn't on my radar, you know. And um, I feel like that's what I'm seeing more. It's like guys, just like who, who am I finding? You know, there was um, great, great thread in the Discord, you know, last week um, uh, by Jake, Jake. M- I don't know how to say his last name. I should have probably asked him first, but um, he he, you know, we we're all discussing after Russell had his his article. We we're all trying to discuss about you know which pitchers came up right and was like looking at you know which pitchers from Double A made that move. You know, was it an age thing? Was it an innings pitch thing? And I think that's so cool. Like uh, everyone was already thinking about it, but in the draft room, I think you're. I think you're right, Toby. There's like that overreaction where I need to have six of these guys now. I want six of the next Bryce Millers on my team, and that's no, that's not a way to, that's not a way to. Actually, that's not a way I want to build a team. I mean, anyone could do whatever they want, but that's that's not. You know, I I want a couple of them. Maybe I'll have my eye. I'll have a list, but I don't have to get the whole list um, of guys. You know, just like a small list of guys. I think I might take that next step. Could be. Because, like I said, it's a small sample of all these guys coming up and being effective, right? No one, no one picked um, Brandon Williams. No one picked the bird dog on the Reds and and draft champions, right? It's like, yeah. like no one was thinking but about a bunch him. Of, but a bunch of us took uh, Ricky T and Andrew Painter, um, and they were probably <laughs> two of the best minor league pitchers um, before they got hurt, and they ended up being wasted picks. Yep. I, yeah. I was gonna say. I mean, when you do when you do that, when you take that approach you're just, it's just a high variance approach, right? Like yeah. the, the winner of the DC of the DC overall may be somebody who does that and happens to hit on three of the five, you know, younger pitchers, but um, it's really hard to get even one of those. Right. And then to get multiple ones, right. Right. Like you like have all these filters of like, are they going to make the big leagues is the first yeah. question. Are they ever going to contribute to your team? Right. And we've all been on DCs where like at some point in the year, you've got all the little red suitcases and you're just trying to find guys that are going to pitch, you know, some innings or you're just trying to find bats that fit in there. That's another slot that has a high percentage chance of never being utilized over the course of a full season. 
And then not only do they have to make it, they need to make it and be, get like a rotation spot or pitch consistently. And then they have to pitch well, you know? And so there's all those things. So you really have to be, I think, you know, like you really have to run through those filters and figure out who gives you the best shot to do those things and then make, you know, get the guys that get you the playing time, but also throw in some of them, you know, towards the back end of your draft where it's not as much of a, you know, draft capital. Uh, you're not using as much draft capital. Right. And like the one thing I was thinking too with the pitchers is something I was trying to bring to my head is like, did, was it necessary that these teams needed more of the younger pitchers? They were they were used to the pitcher clock. They had they had some experience with it, and you know, like more arms getting hurt, we have to right cycle through more pitchers instead of going through like through retreads or claiming guys just to get them innings or signing some guy who just wasn't signed because he's thirty four and he, you know, has two two hundred innings pitched under his belt, like. Instead, we're just going to go down. You know, we're going to pick a guy who's used to this. Uh, may, maybe they were more effective. But then, like, maybe those veterans are going to work on it now, right? They see what they need to do to um, to adjust to the pitch clock and become more effective. Like, I know there was a couple of older guys that was like were really struggling with it, just not only with um, the rules, but, like, stamina-wise, keeping up with – because it's, it's, it's a big difference. And I think the biggest difference, too, is even when you're – um, in between innings when you can just normally had a specific rest period. Now it's way shorter and you got to come out earlier and then go right back into high intensity, you know, pitching. So um, that's what I love about baseball in general. And, and just like fantasy baseball, it just adds a whole nother layer of, of, uh, of us thinking about things that we think we can, you know, nail down quote unquote. I wonder if some of my will be like a ripple effect from, from missing 2020 season where, yeah. We had like a year where pitchers didn't pitch, so prospects were kind of delayed by one year. And then they kind of all came up the last like two years um, where they kind of caught up. Uh, but at some point, it might go back to, to what it was. Maybe not, but um, I, I like it had to have some type of an impact. I don't know if it still does now, but I know it did it a few years ago. Um, I know just something that popped in my head. What do you guys think about all this complaining about the World Series and the baseball playoff format? <laughs> It's, I'm so I'm so tired of it. It's like, are you really a baseball fan if you're just constantly complaining about, you know, oh the team that had a buy was unfair for them, and I don't know. I'm just like, stop waking up so miserable. Just enjoy your fucking life. Jesus, sorry, that was just a a rant. I'm just like enough, enough. I think we've been kind of brainwashed to think that like a 95 win team is so much better than 85 in that an 85 win team. But like in terms of percentage games won, it's such a slim margin that once you get to the playoffs, like, yes, it's a long season. And yes, it comes down to like a five or seven game series, but like, it is what it is. Just enjoy it for what it is. and Right, enjoy it. And there's, like, all these people like, oh, well, you know, you didn't expect Brandon Fott to just, like, completely shut down the Phillies. And, like, but if you watch the game and you watch them pitch, <laughs> you'd be like, yeah, like, he did because he was on fire. <laughs> he was just, you know, he was just unbelievable. Um, and the playoffs, too, I think bring about, like, I think there's a lot of analysis that people try to do with like, oh, this guy's throwing this new pitch or he's throwing it harder. I, I you, it's there's so much juice going around in that in that moment. I, I I don't know how much to take of someone throwing an extra mile mile 
you know, one point to it, the playoffs, like, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you guys feel any different about that, but it's, it's so hard to really look at that and be like, Oh, this is this, this guy's new. It's like, it's not new. He's got it in him, but now he's just letting it out. You know, I, I think know. the playoffs has kind of shown that you need two really, really good pitchers who are pitching well at the time. Um, and if you have a good bullpen and two good starting pitchers, yeah. you can, you can beat any team. Um, so I and wonder go figure if they, yeah, I'll figure it's Merrill Kelly and fought and not and not yeah. that Gallagher. right. That Gallagher is one of those guys, too. It's like I'm looking at that 38 ADP, and like I was way off of that before <laughs> this playoff stuff, but now it's just like, oh, guys, yeah, please, please keep drafting him at that price. This like guy. you have all Montgomery he carried the Rangers for, yes. for three series, like they were dominant, yes. uh, and they still could be in, in, the, in the World Series. Um, Man, so, that, that using Montgomery in that game seven is is I mean it gets you there, but then it hurts him. It yeah. hurt him. It hurt him yesterday. He just didn't look the same. First time yeah. he's ever come out in relief in his life. You know, I don't know. Like he's just pitched 188 innings, right? It's like <laughs> I ah oh, man, it's such a that's such a big thing to ask. You know, I know it gets you there, it gets you to the World Series, but yeah. um, you know, it hurts you for that one game. I mean, it's all small sample size stuff, right? It's it like, is. Yeah. Like the Rangers, the Rangers didn't have a good bullpen at all, right? That was their big weakness no. down the stretch, and now they're no. super good. The D-backs had a crappy bullpen, and all yeah. of a sudden, like they're pitching well. Like right. if you, like I was just doing easy math, and you guys who are smarter than math, tell me if I'm wrong here. But like, if a team goes into each series with a 75% chance of winning which is incredibly high, right? Yeah. Like there probably wasn't a, a single season, a series this year where it was a 75% chance that one team would win and one team yeah. would lose. The probability of that team winning three series is 42%, Yeah, you know? So it's still under 50% that that team that is absolutely dominant, that has a yeah. three to one chance would make it through. So you add more rounds to the playoffs, you add shorter rounds to the playoffs. Like yeah. it's all just a crapshoot. Like it is. my favorite I hate, team. I, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just gonna. Say, I I hate calling it luck because like I always hear that like analytics have kind of showed us that oh small sample is luck, but when you're on the field and like if if you you can say like yes of course not like bump up Merrill Kelly because of of how he's pitched so far, but like Merrill Kelly is on the field throwing the game of his life like he deserves credit for that. You can't just like analytics yeah. are kind of showing us like oh he's lucky he can't do that again. It doesn't matter. He did it for that one game. It's like that goalie in hockey. He can save 50 shots in that, in that game. But, like, I've played goalie, and you're just in the zone. Like, everything's working that day. You can't take it away from him because he can't do it again the next day or five days later. Um, totally. So, I mean, probability, that, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, there's always going to be those players that have that postseason, right? Yeah. Like, that have yeah. a goalie that – pitch really well like Merrill Kelly did, right? And maybe right. it's because that day they had like a 150 Babbitt, right? And they yeah. didn't give up hits. And one time yeah. it didn't. Some of it is narrative. Some of it is luck. Some of it is whatever. But yeah, you're going to have, you You still can't take away from the performance, right. you know, that they're doing. I feel yeah. like too, like, I don't know if we're just more tuned in because we, you know, um, at the level we're playing fantasy, we're just so locked into player performance on a week to week basis. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of the, 
um, like what you said, Phil, or taking stuff away from Merrill Kelly, or this is like, this was lucky. Who is this guy? Why is he doing this? Uh, I think we're a little less caught off guard by it, or we're a little more um, able to to see it, quote unquote, because yeah. we, because we're so into like we know the stretch Merrill Kelly went on at certain points of the season. We kn- we know that he added a pitch or he added movement. Like we all we we know this, so we know like what he did or what he's doing is like that's in him, right? Yeah. Or, or fought like we're like yeah, like that's this is the guy everyone thought he was gonna be. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if just because, like, I feel like we're so much more tuned in and we're so much more rational about <laughs> the thing than, like, your average, uh, you know, like, you know, team reporter or someone who's just dogging the playoffs. So, like, you know, who, who who do these teams have on their teams anyway? Or like, uh, I'm going to bed during this series. Like, what? Like, that? Like, Texas Rangers have a guy batting third who's 21 fucking years old who just got called up. Like, that's not exciting to you, but Corbin Carroll is 23 years old, right? And he's just lighting the field on fire. Kettle Marte. It's like just so many things that are that you can really enjoy and cherish, <laughs> but you just huge your shit on it instead. It's so weird to me. It's so weird to me. It's like, oh, the I'm, Braves aren't in it. Like, who cares? <laughs> I'm kind of one of those people who likes to shit on it, though. Not really, but like, <laughs> no, but like, I mean, Merrill Kelly, right? Like, he was fantastically good this year. Right. Like he was incredibly good. He had a 329 ERA, a 119 whip, and more than a strikeout per inning for 177 innings this year. Like he's a very good pitcher. But at the same time, his BABIP during the playoffs is 157. His strand rate is 97.2. Here we go. You know? So it's like, but his K minus walk is also 22%. So it's like he's pitching super well and he's also getting lucky. And the narrative is like this phenomenal performance, which is exactly what he deserves, you know, but it's also like next year when he gives up like a 400 BABIP and is an absolute disaster. Don't tell him he's like bad in the clutch, you know, because he blew that playoff game. (laughs) He's pitching, he's a good pitcher and it's small sample. So there's extremes, you know, like, oh, well, right. Yeah, absolutely. Take all the joy out of baseball. That's what we did here in fantasy. You know? <laughs> a bunch of numbers. It's all these people are. Yo. Cool, man. All right. Uh, Toby, you want to say anything before we get out of here? Um, uh, no, I'm going to um, – I'll send you – Rob, I'm going to send you the, the, the link to the Google Doc where I have like a full explanation of the Champions League. People check it out. I'll tweet at it. Tweet it out once Rob releases the pod, and I'm sure that it'll be included in there. Let me know what your thoughts are. Notes. Feel free to reach out. Like, show notes if you want. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. Um, awesome. And then, um, yeah, let me know if you have any questions. Feel free to reach out if you have any concerns, if you have any criticism of it, whatever it is, or if you love the idea. I mean, this is going to be, the NFBC has said, like, this is going to be player-driven. So it's yeah. really going to be oh, incumbent on those of us who are enthusiastic and excited about this to get it out there, promote it, sign up. You know, the more people that sign up, the bigger pot the bigger the pot gets, um, you know, and the more excitement we generate. So sign up early, sign up. You can't sign up often because you can't volume yourself into the champions league. You just gotta be good. So sign up early and let's get this, get a lot of uh, steam going for this. I I'm, I'm amped for it. It's going to be and great. You can, yeah. you can sign up early, choose your entries to TBD, and you can draft them in March, even if you sign up now. So, and I think there might have been a way to uh, delay payment until February with, with some leagues or whatever. Um, I don't want to say anything. It's not true. But anyways, like there's, 
signing up early and just seeing your name, like just seeing names and the list grow is going to get more people to sign up. So at least those who have money in their account and can afford to, to, to do it. And they're no, you know, you, if you know, you're going to do it, sign up early just so that it's an, it's always the same thing with the new contest when the solo shot also that they're, they're adding this year, signing up early, get the list to grow and make sure it, it makes Greg and Derek feel better about, um, about the new contests. Um, because the more people sign up early, the more people are going to see see it, and the more people are going to talk about it. And it's it's gonna it's gonna make it grow quicker. So, um, yep. if you can afford it, if if you have the money in your account, sign up as soon as possible. Sweet, fantastic. All right, boys, thank you for joining me. It's been a while. It's been fantastic. And um, yeah, thanks for everyone for listening. Get get at any of one of us on Twitter or wherever on the Discord to um, talk about anything else in general. And uh, don't be a bag of shit.